Hello everyone, welcome to Bree's Stories. I'm your host, Bree Bracey, and in today's podcast, I will be discussing the issues with missing and murdered indigenous women. Over the course of the last several years, there has been an extreme increase in the number of women and girls who have gone missing or ended up murdered. Today's podcast will focus and discuss several sources that will give us insight behind the issues of why so many of these women or and girls have gone missing or either ended up murdered. The first source I will discuss is a journal article presented by Caitlin Watson entitled Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, the Role of Grassroots Organizations and Social Media in Education, which discusses the violence that Aboriginal women in Canada experience. First, the source states that these Aboriginal women are seven times more likely to be victims of homicide than non-Aboriginal women. These Indigenous women in Canada are often oppressed through ideological domination and imposition of colonial culture. So the oppression of these that these women face is one of the many reasons as to why so many of these women and girls go missing. Um, Watson states that the mounted police found that 1,181 police recorded incident of indigenous female homicide missing persons between the years 1980 and 2012. Also, Watson states that programs such as the NWAC launched Sisters in Spirit in Spirit, which is an education and policy interactive funded by the status of women in Canada to address the issues of these missing and women and girls as well as give their families a voice. So moving on to another source, which is a video and it's presented by Infobase. And this video discusses the investigation of Stacy Dooley on the growing number of indigenous women and girls who have spent who have went missing or murdered in Canada. The video starts by discussing the effects of indigenous girls who go missing while hitchhiking along Highway 16 as a result of the lack of public transportation. And I will also go into more details about Highway 16 later on with th- throughout the podcast because I have another source that gives us more information about the dangers of that highway. However, the video also elaborates on how factors such as prostitution, drugs, and sex trafficking play a role in the number of missing and murdered women. So what we have is many of these girls, they leave home, you know, and then they either hitchhike or, and once they get to where they're going or whatever, they end up just you know, on the streets, basically homeless. So they have to prostitute and sell their bodies. And then they also ended up on drugs. And to support their drug habit, they will prostitute 
and sell their body, which also exposes them to sex trafficking and human trafficking. So that is a big problem with so many of these indigenous girls. Also, the source states that social problems of indigenous people, such as unemployment, substance abuse, and domestic violence are believed to be a result um, of the effects of residential schools. So the residential schools were in place by Canada's government to teach indigenous children white Christian values. However, these schools were unfortunately eventually abolished and the last one closed in 1966. So basically, they built these schools to teach the indigenous children how to be like the children of other of the majorities how to be like white children how to be how to you know christian values their beliefs they built these schools to alter the beliefs uh and the teachings that these indigenous children had you know coming from their homes which is crazy and so these type of schools had an effect on the on the indigenous people throughout generations, causing many of the women and the girls to leave home and end up in danger. So that we see how changing someone's beliefs and values can have an ultimate effect, which leads them to, you know, prostitution, running away from home, which leads up to drugs, prostitution, and just being on the streets and sex trafficking and amongst, you know, common folk. And also, in another source, which is a journal entry and it's written by Catherine Morton. And it's called Hitchhiking and Missing a Murdered Indigenous Woman. Which discusses... This is the source that discusses Highway 16 and its its dangers. So, Morton focuses on the growing number of indigenous women in northwestern British Columbia who ended up missing or murdered as a result of hitchhiking. Within the journal, hitchhiking is described as a form of continuous mobility which is defined as modes of mobility that are counter to the dominant mode of automobility and are stigmatized or treated as undesirable. So when you think of hitchhiking, we think of, you know, don't do it, it's dangerous, like it's undesirable. You know, the main mode of automobility is, the main mode of mobility is automobility. So driving a car, you know, that's how many people get around. But when you think about these girls who basically are very young, they're coming out, they don't really have cars and stuff, so they hitchhike, which is seen as dangerous and undesirable. Nobody would want to hitchhike. However, that's what they use to get around because due to the lack of transportation. So Morton discusses Highway 16, and she nicknames it the Highway of Tears for Indigenous women 
This is due to the extreme number of women who have disappeared along Highway 16. It is considered to be a critical case of violence against indigenous women. Moreover, within the article, we see how intersexuality plays a role within the lives of these women in regards of race, gender, mobility, and violence. Morton states that the intersectionality of race, gender, mobility, and violence illustrates why mobility should not be viewed as a neutral problem. However, it should be considered a political or unequal problem. So, that was Morton. I feel that I don't know if I think that it should be considered a political problem. It's definitely unequal, though. Because most of... I feel that many of these people who are looking... I feel that these girls are being targeted. So they know that most of indigenous girls, especially if they're saying along Highway 16 is the highway where most of them go missing. If someone wants to murder or you know find a girl and introduce her to human trafficking and stuff and they know that many of these indigenous women are the ones who are hitchhiking and stuff a person like a pimp or whomever would drive along that highway and you know go to these girls be like hey you want to ride and a pimp doesn't necessarily have to be a man it could be a woman because I'm, I can see these girls being more vulnerable to women. I mean, if I was in that position, I would prefer, me being a woman, I would prefer to get a ride with a woman. Rather than get in the car with a random man, I would prefer a random woman. But these women can also be pimps and could also be trying to lure girls in. So you just never know. Furthermore... A video presented by Waka Waka I cannot pronounce this. Waka Pikani Mobile is a quick film of indigenous women um, families and it discusses the numbers of women that have mi- missing in their community. So the families of these women tell how their friends, sisters or daughters have went missing and never returned it home or either ended up dead. The families within the video discusses problems such as the that society has such as the effects of society that have such as the effects that society have on the communities and the way of life of the native people. Some of these issues include residential schooling, vulnerability of the native woman, and also the loss of identity of the native woman. So the video explains how these issues affect the lives of young indigenous women. Um, These indigenous women and girls, they often grow up alone without their parents, and and then they get lost in society. So they're more vulnerable to 
you know, wanting a family, wanting to be accepted because they're also treated differently in society. The video explains how, you know, many of these girls, they go to the grocery store or they're just shopping, you know, in the mall, hanging out, and people actually treat them different. They discriminate against them. And this plays in an effect on their overall image of their self. Especially when you have someone that's very vulnerable and, you know, want to be accepted. The way people treat you is a big influence on how you see yourself. So that is the reason why so many of them, you know, run away or want to leave. And then they ended up missing or either murdered. So that's what that source is. So a source written by Sohora Mo, which is entitled The Written Names Project. Unsilencing the numbers, unsilencing, unsilencing the number of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. So this source discusses the number of missing and murdered women in Canada. Mole starts her discussion off by giving us statistics of indigenous women and girls who have went missing and or murdered in Canada. Mole states that the number of missing or murdered indigenous women have grown from 520, and which was in 2007, to 1,017 by 2015, which was reported from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. However, the author believes that due to the RCMP controlling the data collection, analysis, and this dissemination of these indigenous women creates a conflict of interest and lack of accountability. So it's possible that they can falsify some of the information, just not falsify, but withhold most of the information. They're probably more cases. Moreover, within the article, Mo presents her presentation of the written names project and the the objective of this project is to represent the or remember the number of indigenous women in Canada who have went missing or been murdered by collecting and writing the names of each one of them I feel that this is a very unique way I don't I feel it is a unique way to get those names out there to draw attention to this situation. Do I feel that the project is actually preventing the situation from happening? No, but it's a good way to draw attention to what's going on with these girls. Because even myself, before actually focusing on this topic, I would have never thought that Canada had a problem with missing and murdered indigenous women i would have never guessed that this problem would be occurring so 
we it's good that Mo uses her creativity to get these names out here. So basically how it works is down the street on a street. I forgot the I did not write down the name of the street in Canada that it was on. But there's a list of names and you basically go up and you just add to the list of names of any missing girls just to draw attention and awareness but I really don't think that this would do anything as prevention so my next topic is what are we going to do what is going to be done to prevent you know what is going to be to be done to prevent this from happening what is going to be done to stop or see less numbers in missing and murdered girls because these fam- their families are suffering. And not only their families, just imagine your daughter, your mother, your sister, you know, go, go missing and just never return. What happened to them? They- and then they end up dead. Just imagine all the torture and the pain that they have went through. And just to be alone somewhere with a stranger or whomever and not be able to go back home or just know that you're going to die or just never return like no and no one is doing anything no one is given this situation as much attention as it needs that brings me to my last source which is a journal entry written by Janet Smiley and Megan Sywink and is entitled Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Working with Families to Prepare for the National Inquiry which discusses how families of missing and murdered women murdered indigenous women are affected after years of turmoil these families have focused has have faced the national inquiry has finally struck to find out what went wrong and how to fix it however the article states that the focus of the national inquiry into missing and murdered indigenous women and girls is on the systematic causes and institutional policies and practice and practices it is not designed to directly respond to the suffering families however due to the trauma that these families have endured the national inquiry has partnered up with the public health officials in order to respond to mental emotional and social stressors that those indigenous families have endured due to the cause of their you know due to the cause of their loved ones going missing so my question is if the national inquiry is not you know directly supposed to be helping the families then who is you know, um, 
I can only imagine being a mom. Well, I can't imagine being a mom because I'm not a mom. But let's say a sister. I have a sister. I can imagine. I can't imagine if my sister goes missing and I never see her again or you know, after a while, we get called and end up that she's dead. Like, like, I don't, I don't think that I can mentally come back from that. And, you know, imagine being a parent and have to suffer with the loss of a child or not even knowing if your child is alive or dead. Like most of these families are suffering So who's going to help them? And more importantly, who is going to stop this issue from happening? What is going to be done? What is the, what is the, what is the protocol? What is the policies that are going to be in place? How can we help these girls? Until then, we don't have any answers. However... My heart lies with these families and with these girls and women who are going missing, who are ended up murdered, who are lost. I I just, I can't imagine that being the case. I hope that no one has to ever experience that. And I hope that Canada will eventually find some type of resolution to the problems in which these women are facing anywho thank you guys for listening that's the end of breeze stories until next time everyone be safe wear your mask and have a good holiday thank you